Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Flurry, you better grab a life vest. Did I lie? Yes! <laughs> Bye-bye. Pull the mask off. People aren't going to like what they see. Looks going to look like flesh on the outside. You rip it open, and it's just circuitry and wires. If my plan works, think of this. I'm going to be off the block from a guy who put on a carrot suit, took an avocado bath, took a chum bath, and sat out of an HOH competition all to get me out. Hello? Will? Yeah? Hey, it's Boogie. Hey! Check this out. Underhanded, unscrupulous, and unexpected. It's time for another summer of Big Brother. Morty's. 
Uh, Morty'sTV.com is a friend of ours. They help us. They put together things for us. They put together the the awesome thumbnail um, that goes with the show. They also set up a chat room over there at Morty'sTV.com. Actually, it's www.Morty'sTV.com slash BB slash forward slashes. And, of course, their Twitter is at Morty'sTV. That's the place to go if you want to talk about Big Brother. If you want to chat about Big Brother, you don't like somebody, somebody, you will find a person that hates them as much, if not more, than you do. You will find somebody who loves them a lot more than you do. And you will find people that align with you and people that disagree with you. And it's a great way for people to get together on Big Brother and chat about the season, talk about what's going on, talk about strategy, talk about showmances, talk about all these things uh, that you guys have going on. And, of course, Please go by there and see them. Uh, they also, uh, and I'll have to get the link uh, from them, but they also need people, I'm sure, that will watch and report. Uh, that's a big deal for them. That's where they get a lot of their stuff. They watch and report, um, and I need to get that. Now, we'll have it next week, but if you want to be part of their team, uh, please just email Morty's or tweet them, uh, and uh, Fusky will get you hooked up. That's one of our boys. Again. Sorry we can't take any calls because the line's being down, but we're going to go live and we're going to do this anyway, as we always do. You know, I tell myself every year, I tweeted this out, we're going to talk about the show, we're going to talk about strategies, we're going to talk about our feelings on players, we're going to talk about what we think is going to happen next week. I mean, we cover it all. And um, one of the things I do with you guys, I always put, you know, poll questions on Twitter to kind of keep you engaged. And one of the things that we always do, too, every year, which is awesome, is we have a Big Brother, Best Big Brother Player Bracket. And some people get very confused by this. Let your heart not be troubled. It's not that difficult. You match up in rounds, and the first round, the better players are going to be matched up against weaker players, and you guys vote. And players advance, and then they meet up, and they meet up. As the, as the bracket goes, stronger players meet stronger players, and those people get eliminated. And, of course, you know, our, we've been doing it about, I guess this is our third year, really. And, um, of course, you know, <clears throat> of course, Dan Giesling wins our first one. When a player wins, we retire him. We don't put him back in because it's pointless. Dr. Will and Dan probably win every season so or every time we do it. So we just decided, retire those guys. Let's make it more difficult every season for people to make these decisions. And we're starting to see that happen. Dan Giesling, of course, congratulations, won our first one. He was very kind to respond about winning and being very gracious. Dr. Will won the second one. He was very involved with the second one, and he was actually really a lot of fun to tweet with. Uh, and Dr. Will was very involved in the second one. He won the second one. Uh, and this third one was one that was a battle. It was a final four where, where, where all female players, which was pretty awesome. And we ended up with Daniel Reyes. Um, I believe we had Daniel Reyes versus Janelle. Somebody may have to go back and look. And our final four, and then June versus Vanessa. And June is one of the best people to tweet with. She's always very active on social media and always very kind to retweet things or just respond. And she had a couple of really good zingers uh, in that matchup this, this, this time around, and so it was a lot of fun. So I appreciate it, June. I'm sure a friend of the show, I'm sure she's just waiting to listen. Um, maybe she is. I don't know. I hear a lot of the Big Brother people listen. But um, – they came down to it, man, and what a finale as as we see uh, June go over Vanessa. And Vanessa getting pretty far was interesting, too. I mean, a lot of people felt like her game was very good, but, you know, a lot of people didn't like the crying and the, you know, the victimization that she played. But it did work for her for a little while. 
And for where she placed, I thought she was one of the better players strategically. You will find out if you're new to the show that I do enjoy strategic play. I am not a showmancer. Um, I, I like the strategy of the game. I like to see people making moves. As you can probably tell, that's probably been very difficult the last couple of seasons. I'm not a huge fan of a lot of the things we've seen in the last couple of seasons, but I always hold out hope and optimism that we're going to get a season that's just going to be a great season strategically. And I got some really good feelings about this season, but we're going to talk about that a little bit uh, in a little while. But we saw uh, June over Vanessa, and you guys, I really thought this Danielle Reyes, and if you guys want to go check it out, go to the uh, BB After Show. Uh, Tweet at BB After Show. Um, but you can go on there and look. And, I mean, I really did not think – I love Danielle Reyes. She's my probably my second favorite player of all. Uh, but, you know, Janelle's just so popular, and you guys love her so much, and, and, and good reason why. I mean, she is a, she's a great player. I've always said I like Janelle as a comp player. I didn't think she was a great social player. In fact, I think a lot of her game was hurt by her social game. That's not taking anything away from her. Um, but it is one of those things that I think that people overlook in her game, and I think it's one of the reasons why she's kept from really grasping that, that winter spot in the seasons that she's appeared in. But Daniel Reyes, the second-best player, in my opinion, uh, ends up beating Janelle. And we have a, a Daniel Reyes June final, and man, it was it was like it sounds like it wasn't as close as it was. Um, but you know, look, fourteen hundred votes, and basically, you know, Danielle Reyes beats June by about about nine percent, I believe, was the final count. So Danielle Reyes moves on to the greats. She sits at the table with the great legends of Big Brother, and boy, is she more deserving than anyone other than June. I think June is also very deserving. If June had won that, no problem. I completely agree with what you guys say. But Danielle Reyes takes this one. So she retires. She won't be back next season. And what we'll probably do is do a winner's one uh, once we get enough people in that on that winner's circle. You'll probably just have to play against people you guys have voted through to the championship. So uh, congratulations to Danielle. We sent a congratulations tweet out to her. I believe she retweeted it. But uh, uh, very cool, you guys. Over, uh, it's almost 1,400. I said over 1,400 in Twitter. It, it's not true. I think it was like over 1,300 votes. That was awesome, guys. It was really, really cool to see so many people get involved in that final round. And what a great round it was. The last two, Dan and Will, of course, just curb stomped everybody they were against. And in this one, it was really one of those that could have gone either way. And June was so gracious in voting for Danielle. And Danielle was so gracious in voting for June. Totally opposite of what you expect for two competitors that were great in the house, but obviously good human beings. Um, so anyway, moving on, just want to say that, uh, share that with you guys. Danielle moves on to uh, legendary status, not like she was always there anyway, but she finally gets her seat. And the other poll questions we put up there that I thought was kind of interesting was, I asked you guys, you know, there's been a discussion, and we're going to get to Big Brother 20. Don't worry. There's a discussion of, on, on the winner of, of Season 11 being Jordan and how Jordan did not feel as strong. I asked you guys who, who should have won Season 11. I've got to be honest with you. I really thought you guys were going to pour out in Kevin. I really thought it was going to be Kevin taking it by 55 60%. I personally think Kevin was the most deserving winner uh, of, of Season 11. 
but you guys did back up Jordan, 54%. I thought that was really, really interesting. So you guys passed on with Jordan. Uh, another question we had was Derek overrated. I was really shocked to see you guys go 67% that he is overrated. Let me tell you something, though. I'm going to tell you something. Your friend Sam is going to tell you right now, give you a little piece of advice. That investigative discovery show the guy has is actually fantastic. It's really good. It's one of my favorite shows on TV. And I think Derek is a great player. I think his cast was, was – I think his cast did a lot for him. That was a very weak cast. I think Derek – you've heard this before if you're a prior listener. I think Derek had a lot of skills that were unfair in the game. And so I'm not huge on Derek. I'm surprised that you guys agree with that, though, at 67%. I really am. That's uh, – that's shocking. 33% of you said no. Obviously, that equals 100. So that's where we are. We can do math here, believe it or not. Here in Dead Lizard Studios down south in Atlanta, Georgia, and it is burning up here, and I hope you are all in a comfortable spot enjoying Big Brother and getting ready to watch the live feeds because I believe they start tonight. But let's talk about first impressions. You know, and, I, and I'm going to tell you who I think will win. And I do this every season. Last year, I can't remember who I picked, the oldest guy. I can't remember his name now. But, you know, we picked other winners, and they're documented here where I was, I was right. I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but toot, toot, beep, beep. I was right on a lot of them. And I'm going to tell you who I think is my winner after we kind of discuss what we think of everybody here. And we can't really talk about everyone, mainly because some people – or some players have not been a very out-front player yet. They're kind of taking it easy. Those guys are not worth talking about right now. We'll see something come out of them as they go. Um, there have been some that have made quite an impression, and a lot of people are talking about on Twitter. But, you know, i got to say that let's talk about who we really – who I feel like when I'm watching this, and I watched the, the first two, what I feel like are the stronger players. And I'm going to tell you right now, let's talk about HOH Tyler. I did not think Tyler was going to be a strong player. I look at him now and realize that he's not the surfer type that we've had in the past. In fact, I'll say overall, I really do like this cast, and that's very weird for me. If anybody knows how grumpy I get about casting, I actually looked at this group and said it's a showman's group top to bottom, and I think that it is. However, I have to wonder if casting may be gambled the wrong way on this group because several of the women are very competitive and they're very sports-oriented, and I love that competitive nature. That reminds me a lot of the Janelle kind of player. Not that they're like that, calm down, sit down, relax, take a breath. That's not what I'm saying. We're going to be friends here. I'm just saying that I get that vibe of competitiveness from a lot of these girls that are playing, and I love that. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of them that are going to be playing to win as it starts. This has been one of this for me, and a lot of you guys are going to disagree, but for me this is one of the casts that I feel like in the first two nights, they are there. we're going to see some playing. We're going to see some people playing, I think, this season, and I'm, I'm extremely exci- excited and ecstatic about seeing that. And my first one, I've got to say, uh, Tyler I like. I like Winston. He has a very um, Drew feeling from season five where I feel like everybody's going to kind of like him. He's going to be kind of the middle of the ground, fair guy. Nobody's gonna, he's not going to make anybody upset. 
But I feel like he's always thinking, and I think him and Steve, and I've tweeted this out, I think him and Steve are going to have some type of bond, although that proves to be wrong at the moment. As we talk about later, Winston making a move to have an alliance, which did not include Steve. <clears throat> I am wrong sometimes, believe it or not. It does happen. But I do, I do like the initial feeling I get from Winston, that I think he can be a very middle-of-the-ground player, and I think he can compete. But I also think that he's always kind of thinking. He has this idea, to me he brings this idea of, of kind of being a balanced player where he could probably compete when he needs to, but I also see him being uh, someone who can play the game in a social way a little bit too. Um, I did like Steve only because after I sat there and said that about Darren, I kind of gave the guy a little bit of credit for being someone who has a police background where he's not an officer but somebody who had to make a lot of deals and whatnot undercover, I believe. I'm not sure if he was an undercover cop, but uh, I know that he is he's somebody who is trained to live under pressure. But his age and his demeanor are very, very off-putting. When I said I like Steve and Winston, it really became before I really saw Steve giving people hard looks and looking a bit creepy. I mean, the guy comes off a little bit creepy. And he's got to relax. He's got to relax that. He's got to chill out, not try to be somebody who's making other people sweat. He's got to be the person that's relaxed and learning about people. I believe firmly that one of the keys to winning this game, there's several that we've talked about over the years, but one of the keys to winning this game, I really believe, is being one of the nicest and friendliest people when you go in. I don't think you talk much about yourself. I think you answer questions about yourself in a in a formal manner that's relatively to the point, but I think you ask a lot of questions about other people. I think you're always asking and moving around the room in that first night, and you're always learning about what person goes to school for what, you know, what person does for a job, or who is married, who has children, and you're asking them about their lives. That is an automatic manipulative move in today's game to get people to kind of adapt to you and feel like they have a friend. And it may not be a real friend, and it may not last for four weeks, but they should probably keep you safe the first week. And I believe that one of the first things you have to do is make that move and get to know people. That's something I think Steve is going to have a problem with. I think his questions are going to be more direct. I think they're going to be daggerish, okay, with the point. Bing. I think he's going to be more to the point with people when he when he asks questions. And he could be that guy that's kind of lost a little bit of his personal ability when he talks to people because he's been a police officer for so long, an undercover or, or whatever, investigator, detective, I guess is correct, a detective for so long. Detectives ask pointed questions. That's what they do. They're trained to. So as much as I liked Steve at first, I thought he would be an older guy that might be come in, and kind of get along with people. I'm starting to feel like maybe this is a bad idea as we see what happened to him later. Um, <clears throat> Brett is somebody I feel like, oh, you know what, every single season it feels like. Maybe not every single season. You guys always quote me work pervade him. But almost every season we have somebody that comes in this house that is more brilliant than anyone who's ever played in their mind. According to them, they're intelligent. They have to hide their intelligence. 
and nobody should ever know how intelligent they are because they are so brilliant that everyone will just melt once they find out how smart they are and immediately want them out. Enter Brett. Brett is that guy that I really don't and, – and one thing that we're going to find out about all these people who claim that, they're not that smart. They're, they're – overcompensation for letting you know how smart they are is absolutely actually letting you know that they're not that bright. Now, I'm not saying that people who fight cyber terrorism aren't brilliant people. Of course they are. But there are people who are book smart, and there are people who are street smart. And I will take street smart over book smart in this game any day of the week. You've got to know how to socialize with people. He's done an okay job so far, but Brett's always thinking that Brett's smarter than everybody else, and that's going to get Brett in trouble because he's going to at some point want to prove it. Anyone who tells you that much that they're smart, now remember this in life, anybody who tells you that they're that smart will eventually try to prove it and prove the opposite to you. That is a life lesson that your buddy Sam is going to pass on to you right now. Smart people don't have to tell you they're smart. You just know it when you meet them. You know it in conversation. You know it as you take time to kind of learn about them. Tyler's a perfect example. I thought Tyler would come in and be really dumb, dumb, and we'd be like, oh, here's another surfer guy that's going to go home, you know, early. And I kind of felt that way all the way up until people were trying to sell him in the HOH room, and he's sitting there going, no, I'm putting pieces together. And I'm thinking, okay, I like this. Here's a game player. I like that. He's not stupid. I also think and we're going to talk about this later, I think his nominations were the right nominations. He was perfect in how he did it. But Brett has to tell people how smart he is. Brett, I can guarantee you, will prove to not be that very smart in the game. Maybe great at breaking down cyber walls. I hope that he's caught tons of terrorists that are out to hurt other people around the world. I hope he's damn good at his job. But I don't think he's going to be very good at playing Big Brother, and that's okay, too. There's going to be people that are going to go home. I could be wrong, but I'm telling you guys, when we have somebody tell us how smart they are, we find out real quick they're not. In fact, it's the person you've got to watch out for that tells you that they're not very smart that you've got to watch out for. Almost always. Um, moving on, we got Swaggy C. We saw him win. Uh, the co competition to split up the house, and we're going to talk a little bit about split up the house because I loved it. But Swaggy C, I really liked uh, at first. I kind of liked, uh, I, I, and I think I, I think I'm right about this. He is somebody who's going to lead people. He is a leader. I like this about Swaggy C. Unfortunately, I think he's going to be too much of a leader, and he's going to get himself in trouble. I think he could maybe be one of those guys that's a little controlling in this game wanting people to do certain things and probably getting mad when they don't. We already see kind of a taste of that from Swaggy C, and it sounds so weird to say it. I would rather just say Chris, but I think most of you would not know who Swaggy C even was, so it would be kind of, kind of pointless. But uh, I do think that he is going to have a bit of a controlling issue that we're going to see develop in this season, and he's probably going to chase some people away that are going to work with him. Um Moving through this, J.C., I mean, what do you say about J.C.? I actually think J.C. is going to get far in this game only because I think J.C. is going to be somebody, and I'm not saying this to be funny at all, but I think he's going to be somebody that really people just don't look at 
the same as everybody else. And I, and I hate to say that that's not what I think and what all of you think, I'm sure, but in a game, in a closed environment where cameras are on and they're hidden, I think you're going to kind of find out that people just will kind of like the Victoria effect, okay? Do you guys remember Victoria from, I think it was season 16? And Victoria just kind of floated through. And, yes, Derek took her, but it was just kind of like, I don't think that JC is going to offer a lot to either make people afraid of him and want to get rid of him or to make people want to work with him. I just think JC is going to just be in that house. And I think it's going to be one of those things where he is obviously, I don't know if you, I don't know the proper term. I'm going to say little person. He's a little person in a house full of full-grown people um, or normally-sized people. Um, and I think that that eventually makes them probably look past him a little bit uh, in this game. And I think he's going to go a little ways here. I, I could be wrong. I think he's going to go a little ways, but I don't think it's going to be far. Um, and that's the way I kind of see him. Uh, we're looking through this. Angela is somebody that I think is going to be a great player. Obviously, we see her being very, very strong in this game, but is she too strong too early? And I think that's going to be something Angela's going to either have to harness. We already heard talks about people wanting to put her up because she's too strong, right? I mean, to me, that's obvious that Angela has to slow down. But I do like this alliance we're about to talk about that she's involved in, and I hope it's going to be a solid one. But Angela can get safety in an alliance, and that's what Angela needs to do now. She needs to find safety in an alliance because everyone's going to be gunning for Angela at some point. I love her competitiveness. I love how she wants to fight for winning games and winning all this stuff and everything like that. But we know, listen, there's a social aspect of this game that is extremely important, and I would say that it's 80%, 90% of the game is social. Angela's going, she's doing a good job socially, but she's going to have to curb. She's going to have to be that person that when she gets an alliance, she's not going to have to be the person that wins everything, okay? She's going to have to let her other group members win or help them win to get them in a position where they can have power and keep her safe because I think she could be very dangerous in thinking this game is nothing but about competitions. And as we all know, as fans of this show, it's not all competitions. That doesn't, that's, we've seen it. We've seen it year after year. People come in winning competitions. They're not there at the end. It's not about that. Uh, Kaylee's another one that I like. I think that she's going to be very, very competitive in this game. But I also think that she's good at being quiet, and I think she's good at laying low. And I like that about her. I, I was another person that I tweeted out that I did like um, in the second group, I believe. I really liked Kaylee. I think that she's somebody who's way stronger than people are giving her credit for. I think that she can come in and compete in this house, and I think that she can looks like so far can keep her mouth shut and keep herself in check a little bit. <clears throat> and we're seeing already people gravitating towards that. They want to work with her. That's a positive for Kaylee. I, I like where she's at. Let's talk about some of the people that we think are going to be a problem here. I don't think it's any secret that Caitlin is a problem. And I don't think it's any secret that Namaste is going to be the new friendship, and it's going to make you want to poke your ears out with a butter knife. We're going to hear it constantly. I don't trust life coaches. I just don't. No offense to life coaches that are fans of the show. Bless you. I'm sure you do a fantastic job. And you're probably the only real good life coach out there. But when I think about other life coaches that claim to be life coaches, I just don't bite. Okay, 
it's hard to have somebody tell you to keep their crap together and get you together and get you on life's right path when, you know, they're circling stones around your joints to get rid of arthritis pain. I just don't feel like that's great life coach ability. I would take advice from somebody who's been around the world more than I would somebody who, and listen, if you're into the new new age stuff, that's not a problem. I don't have any issue with that. I think that stuff's great. I think you should believe in your inner power, in your inner source, in your inner peace, in your inner enlightenment. I believe in all that. Uh, if you're spiritual, that's awesome. But if that's all you are, you become very one-dimensional. Caitlin is a very one-dimensional player, and Caitlin is going to rub somebody the wrong way at some point. And she and Angie, rock star, are going to be two people that by the time we get to about week four, I don't think any of you guys are really going to want them in the house. You're going to want them to go home. Angie, I think, is going to be extremely opinionated to a point where she's going to drain people. There are people in this world, there are energy vampires, guys. You know an energy vampire. There's an energy vampire that has entered your life and tried to suck all the life and enjoyment out of your life. Okay? Angie, I see as somebody who's very, very out there and having a good time, but I think that she's going to drain people around her, and I don't think it's going to be good for Angie either. Rachel, we're looking for a showmance with Rachel. That's all we're looking for. That's it. Rachel is looking for a showmance. We'll see how long she stays in this really nice alliance she's gotten lined up for herself. But I think she's going to really need Angela. And I think Angela is going to have to dump Rachel at some point. Not to say that they'll be a team, but I'm saying that they do talk a lot. I don't like Rachel's desire for a straight-up showmance, and that's pretty much it. We see these guys every year. We see how some of you guys love showmances, and I don't want to burn that. But come on. We need to see moves, not showmances. We don't need to see people eating cereal and laying in bed. I'm over it. You're over it. We need to see some vicious gameplay the way Big Brother meant to, was meant to be played. When I asked you guys what era of Big Brother was your favorite, seasons 2 through 10, and let me give you advice. If you haven't watched older seasons, do yourself a favor. Go watch 2 through 10. You will see a night and day game that will change your mind on how this game should be played. You guys overwhelmingly love seasons 2 through 10 was your favorite era. You weren't crazy about 11 through 19. If you were somebody who started, and I preach this every season, if you're somebody who started this show anytime after season 12, do yourself a really solid. Because I liked season 12's um, cast was really good. Season 11's cast was great. Drama on both of those seasons. But you have to go back and watch the original seasons. Um, and you'll see exactly what we're talking about here. Um, on the other end, list, uh, Bailey, I, I like Bailey. I like the way she works. I kind of see her. You know, I was a big Day fan the first time Day was on because I felt like Day had incredible gut instincts, uh, a lot like Danielle Reyes, who was incredibly instinctive and knew kind of felt things were going on that were happening behind her back and kind of making, you know, kind of saw things for what they really were. It was really hard to cloud her. But she was extremely emotional, and, and Devon really messed herself up. And I loved her in that first season, thinking this is somebody who could win. But as time went on and we saw her emotions and we saw how upset she could get about something over nothing, she took her emotions too far. She never checked them. I think Bailey's going to be the same way. 
And I hate that because I think Bailey's a very smart girl. I think Bailey can work the system of Big Brother. The problem is, is I see her getting upset like we saw in the ball competition with Tyler tonight. And I see her messing herself up a little bit because she is going to have a hard time rolling with the rolling with the uh with the stride, you know what I mean? She's gonna have a hard time just rolling with it. It'll it's not gonna be an ability that she has. Um and finally, let me see if there's anybody else. And I'm gonna tell you who I think is gonna win. We're gonna talk about that a little bit. Finally, Sam, you know, and our friend of the show, Renee. Sam is just somebody who shouldn't be here. She is a sweet person. She is that good person. And you may say, but, you know, but Sam, Jordan shouldn't be there. Yes, I get it, listeners. If Jordan shouldn't have been there, how did she win? I got what you're saying. But Sam is extremely fragile. And the one thing that Jordan had that Sam does not is somebody to protect her. Jeff was a great protector. Jeff was a great meat shield. Jeff took a lot of hits for Jordan that Jordan didn't have to take, and Jordan came out looking a lot better than Jeff at times in that season, in both seasons of 11 and 13. So, yes, I get it. Nice people can win, and you like Jordan, yay, because she's a great person and she's really sweet. I got it. Yeah. Truth of the matter is is that Sam is a victim, and Sam doesn't understand why she's being picked for this and why she's being picked for that. Why she's being picked on and why this is happening to her and why she's you are the robot of the circumstances of the game. You lost the ball thing because it was smart for everybody in that competition to load up one tube. You know what you could have done? You could have teamed with somebody else as well and taken somebody out first. Guess what? Had you have done that, you could be your robot cute self and not have to worry about going home this week. Right? It works both ways. You have to play. But what I will say is the robot thing is an overkill. I mean, you know, they edited this thing. Maybe she's only a robot for a day. We'll find out when the feeds start tonight. But my feeling is is that this is a very, very, very unfair thing to do to someone. And when a robot's crying to me, I have absolutely zero problem lying to that robot's face. In that game, it'd be no problem to tell you. And Tyler did that. You're good. Everybody loves you. Nobody wants to see you go home. Everybody loves a loser. I don't mean it like that. Come on. Everybody loves somebody who's a victim. Relax, you know. You're going to be safe. And you lied to her. It's easy to lie to a robot's face. I don't know. I have to imagine that telling a robot a lie is probably fantastically easy. I mean, you know, you can lie to a child. Is Santa real? Of course. Of course. Easter Bunny? Of course. All these things are real. So lying to a robot is probably nothing. I mean, that means nothing. And I think that Big Brother should have taken that into account of whether or not that robot was – I mean, it was, they, we, we were told it was going to be a disadvantage. But if it goes on for a couple of nights, this is going to be really bad, and I think it's very, very unfair. Um, so, But Sam has proven herself to be not a very good player and not somebody you want to cheer for simply because she's a victim. 
And I, I think in part she has every right to play the victim card to an extent. I don't think that you need to pull the HOH into a room and cry about how life is not fair to you in the Big Brother house. I think you make fun of it. I think you have fun with the robot. I think you try to entertain people with the robot. You make that damn robot so much fun, nobody wants to send the robot home. That's how you play that game. You don't use it as a piece to tear you down. You use it as a piece to bring you up. And in fact, I don't think if you could be a quiet robot, it would be that bad. Because truth of the matter is, is that probably nobody really thinks about her when she's a robot. And when nominations come, it's probably easy to forget the robot standing there. And if I am the robot, I can guarantee you one place I will stand is in the kitchen when they're making nominations. I want to look like a piece of kitchen equipment. Sam never played this game. I don't even know who's Sam, right? But when you whine and you lose that first, when you lose that first HOH competition, listen, you've set yourself up. You've you've painted the picture that you're going to paint, okay? And nobody is going to feel bad about telling you you're going home. Right now, who is the right person to go home? It is absolutely Sam. Sam should go home. Save her. Save her emotions, this poor girl. And, and you know what? And I don't say it to be mean. I say it because I think she's absolutely a doll. I think she's a sweet person. Obviously, she's got a great heart, and she's, she seems to come across as a, as a great, great girl. But she's just not made for Big Brother. And that's okay. Not everybody is. Some of you guys are not made to listen to this show and enjoy it. Some of you hate it. Some of you listen because you hate me. And that's Okay. Just some people are made for certain things, and she's just not made for the game. Now, as we go through what we saw yesterday, we saw the house divided eight, eight versus eight. Now, let me tell you guys, I have told you for years that this show is in need of a divided household, okay? If you're an old fan, you remember season six. It's probably one of your favorite seasons I love season six. Everybody says that. I love it. It's the best. The reason that you love season six is for a ton of reasons. But one of the main reasons that you may not realize or do realize is that season six is a season where the house literally divides down the middle and war happens. These guys go this way. This group goes this way. And I want to say it probably starts around the time Cappy gets sent home. If you've seen six, you understand that. Maggie begins to grieve and grieve and grieve and it was honestly pretty pretty annoying and i love maggie osborne i think she's a great player but we grieved for her so long and then she just got tired of grieving and she got in the game and she wanted to play okay and she gets her troops up and janelle and her group gets her group up and that house goes to war and it is honestly one of the greatest things you'll ever see on big brother that's straight up that's coming for me when that house divides it's amazing what we're seeing here is that effort, and I love that production really moved on this and said, let's go ahead and see if we can pre-group before the actual HOH begins. Brilliant. I think they should always do some type of – and one thing that we noticed tonight, we didn't get an eviction tonight. We didn't get one, and I think that's great because I think what they have realized is that they have to – I also love the 16 number – the less people you have in this house, the better this game will be played. I can promise you. 
This game used to be played with 12 and 13 people, and they were phenomenal seasons. This group, these numbers of how many people we're going to put in the house, it got to drop. And I love seeing it go down to 16. Now, that gave everybody the speculation there will be bets returning. They say it won't happen. We don't know. We don't know. But I tend to believe that this is going to do stuck to 16, and that's the way they're going to roll this season, and I like that a lot because I think it's very, very important to keep these numbers within reason. Under 16 is key for this show to be good. Um, And dividing the house 8-8 and and having a competition, which really wasn't an HOH. It was a stay safe or be available for eviction game. And I really, really did like how they did that. I thought that was really smart on their part. They rarely do something brilliant. I I really like that. The only thing I didn't like was a certain way of doing this at the beginning. Making them go against each other in their own group of eight was where Big Brother production failed. This should have been an eight-on-eight game where the winner nominates two nominees from the other eight, okay? Their team should have stayed intact. That is how you build a solid eight, okay? A solid group in the house would have gone, we've got to work together, we've got to make this happen. And they automatically just become an alliance because they have no other choice. Things failed when we went into versus each other and staying safe and that confusing, confounded crap that Big Brother always does in the first roll of the of the of the season is it's confusing. Somebody escapes, somebody escapes and plays. Although it, you know, I get it after it happens, but at the time you're kind of thinking, I mean, what are we doing? You know, it's just, uh, this is dumb. It really should have gone eight versus eight. The eight that win, they collectively, maybe they collectively serve HOH together as an eight-person group, and they send home, they nominate two from the other group. They all play for eight for a veto. Now, whoever wins that veto can change one of the nominations, right? But let's give it back to the other side to choose somebody from the other one. If one of the original eight that have the HOH don't win, if the other team wins a veto, they get choice over who replaces who they take down. I think that makes an eight and eight solid group that goes into the season really hammering at each other. But they made that one little mistake. But I like that, you know, every year – we have some problem with production, okay, every year. It's been going on for a long time. There's always something that is brilliant and then brilliantly, brilliantly stupid on the other side. It's like a coin that's got two, two heads on each, you know, a head on each side. I mean, you get one that's great, the other one is just whatever. So we really don't get a great setup this season, but I did like that we saw a little bit of progress. I mean, you know, look, you know, my toddler son is learning to trace. He's not good at it, but he's tracing. And you know what? I'll be damned. Big Brother Productions not starting to trace. Hopefully they will figure it all out in the next five seasons. But but what, we've been waiting for at least ten for him to get it right now. Um, So I really did like the eight on eight. Like I said, I like the women here. I think we're looking at a very competitive group. They're not all competitive players, but I like that there's a solid group of women that I think are going to be here to play. And I don't think that some of these girls are going to be tripped into showmances. I don't know that they're that interested in that. That's why I think this is a beautiful cast that looks like it's made for showmances. 
But when I kind of look at Winston, when I look at, um, you know, Kaylee, and I look at uh, um, Chris, and I look at, you know, Angela, I'm seeing players that mm, really don't care about getting hooked up. Oh, you know what? At the end of that thing, I told you guys I was going to tell you who I think is going to win. And I'm going to call it now. I think it's going to be Scotty. I like how everybody is thinking Scotty's adorable and he's never been kissed. That wins over the girls. Girls are going to have a lot of sympathy for him. They're going to kind of take him under under their wing, and you're going to see a little bit of the girls playing with Scotty and kissing him or, you know, trying to teach him how to be closer to a girl. He's got a great demeanor. He has a good personality. All these guys that you see at the beginning of the season that lay low that you don't see a lot of video of, that's a very key thing. He knows what he's doing. I love people who play games. We saw Vanessa, poker player, poker master. She's won poker tournaments. She's brilliant in the game of poker. She came into this game, and she kind of knew how to play game strategy. Scotty will know how to play game strategy. I think Scotty wins Big Brother 20. I'm going to tell you guys that. I'll put it out on Twitter. But uh, I, I love the fact that he's a video gamer, or not a video gamer, but he's a gamer and the games that he plays are strategic games that he has to think ahead, okay? And poker with Vanessa is very much the same thing. She's got to think of every move that she makes being, being resulting in a fold or a raise or trying to put on what the other player has in their hands. And I think Scotty's going to be exactly the same way, and I am excited to see Scotty play. Now, hopefully Scotty won't let me down, but... I really have good feelings about Scotty. I'm going to go ahead and name him winner of Big Brother 20. We'll see if I'm right at the end of it. Um, I also, uh, also, we saw Swaggy C, who won the power or reprogram. I was not an HOH, which was very confusing for a lot of people. It was just reprogramming the game. I don't know. Whatever. You know, I mean, there's just nothing to say about it. He gets to choose eight people that are safe. He picks uh, two groups for safety. Group one is uh, is going to be, is that Rachel? Is there a Rachel? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, duh. We're still learning, people. Calm down. Rachel, Chris, uh, himself, of course, Brett, and Rockstar. First group is safe. And then the second group he chooses, Haley, Scotty, uh, Faisal, and uh, Casey are the second group that are safe. Now, what I did love about this is that you're, again, building some type of partnership in the house the first couple of nights. I like that. It's better than a free-for-all, everybody just run after each other, and let's create a huge alliance. It very much breaks people down into groups and tiers that makes them feel closer together, and I think that's key. And we're already kind of seeing that happen, right? So what I love about that is that the other eight are the only people who can compete for HOH. That's awesome. And it's a lot different than we saw with Paul last season, which everybody, and I, myself included, did not like. I didn't like friendship bracelets. I didn't like him getting all this. I know that we're going to play a role in this season. God, please don't let us vote on anything important. And no offense to us, but we're not the best when it comes to voting for who should be safe or anything like that. See Paul last season. Um, we just don't give – we just don't make good decisions. 
No offense to all of us, but we just don't sometimes. And maybe you make good decisions because of somebody you like, and that's okay. But I like to make decisions based on you know, who I want to see, how I want to see power shift, right? How I want to see the power shift in the game. You guys kind of sometimes, some of you vote for who you just like. I think he's cute. I think she's adorable. I like their showmance. That's fine, but it's not great for the game, and it makes it quite boring. We saw that a couple of seasons ago when you had Nicole and Corey and all of them, and they kept getting these prizes. You guys kept sending them that were helping them win the game. And I'm praying that we don't have to vote on anything very important. Um, but uh, we saw the other eight compete. Um And we saw Sam turn into a robot from the original thing. And we saw Steve. We saw Steve. We saw Winston, Angela, uh, Tyler, um, and uh, Bally, and JC all compete. Uh, And that was interesting. Again, another part of this season that I'm really digging, and I think you guys need to pay attention to, is that not everybody is on the same page saying, let's go after this person. Now, we've seen that season after season after season. Let's all get so-and-so out. Let's all get so-and-so out. We saw groups divide up into their own little groups, like in the sense that we saw Angela and Winston team up to try to get people out by putting balls in at the same time, and I think they actually got Sam out, which to their benefit worked out because Sam did end up being the nominee, Right? That's who Tyler puts up because she's first out. So it worked out in their favor. Now we saw Tyler and Bally both go after people together, get JC out. And JC, and I want to I want to point something out that I mentioned earlier about JC being somebody who's who they're not going to look at in a way that he's threatening or, you know, I think he's going to skirt a little bit for a couple of weeks was exactly what we saw in that competition. You know, he had like one ball in his tube. And almost to the end, I think he's going to benefit from a lot of that happening to him as long as he keeps himself in check and doesn't say too much. I think that might be a struggle for J.C., but I think he's also going to come off as somebody that people do kind of enjoy and think is funny. But I think that he may get himself in trouble because his mouth seems like it can go either way. But that was a great example of J.C. being able to skate under the radar. Um, And we see Tyler and Bally get into it. Look, I don't agree with Bally getting upset. I understand why she was upset. I mean, you're new to the game. You don't want to go home. You don't want to do that. But I don't think that it helped her a lot by getting upset about the ball thing. Tyler seems to take that very personal that she keeps bringing it up. Uh, she was very good about coming in and correcting herself and kind of getting all right with Tyler. But I don't know that all is forgotten when he thinks about that. And it was kind of a dumb move on his part. It really was. JC's still sitting there. You should have just gone in and gotten JC out and then just gone to the battle. But for whatever reason we can throw out there that it was a dumb move or not, he is HOH. And getting that first HOH is key. It's very, very key. Especially if you're a guy like Tyler who might come across uh, different from everybody else. It probably would have helped Steve more for really, really obvious reasons. Steve's the oldest. Um, He gives you creepy eyes. 
It probably worked, it worked, it would have worked out for Steve. But one thing Steve proved to everybody in that house during that competition is exactly why 40-year-olds always go home early. We've seen it time and time again. Can't keep up with everybody playing the game. It's an easy target. I think he would have gone up regardless because I don't think that he has made connections with people the way he should have. And he's the oldest. You should know, man, when you go in there. Look, I'm 42. If I'm ever invited to play this game, and I don't know that I would anymore, but if, if, if I was ever invited to play this game, you have got to get along with people. You have got to get on their level. You've got to stay up till 3 in the morning, Donnie. You can't go to bed at 8 p.m. You have to stay up. You have to be a part of the group. You have to talk to people. You have to be around them. You have to make them comfortable, right? We saw that last season, right? We saw that last season, and he should have done the exact same thing. And he's not doing it. And I was trying to think, you know, I had picked, I know you guys don't want to hear me ramble, I had picked um, the old, oh, Kevin, Kevin from last season. I actually picked him to win last season. I don't even know what was in my brain. But I did pick him to win. I thought he was really smooth, and I liked the fact that he's kind of kind of could fit himself in with the group. And he did that for a little while. He actually did. I actually pat myself in the back. He did get farther than a lot of people thought. But Kevin was really, really good about relating to people, being funny, telling stories, talking to people. Steve, you got to do that. Um And we see alliances forming. This alliance with Winston, Casey, Rachel, Angela, Brett, I like that they want to limit it to six. This is another key that if this alliance is solid, that's very, very good for the show. If these six stay solid, you just need a good solid six, right? If these six stay stay solid, and I think I want to say – that they added Tyler. So it's really seven, is that correct? I don't know. You guys, I'm sure you'll tweet me and blow me up about it. But I think that if it sticks, I think this is a fantastic alliance of seven. This is a great alliance. I mean, Casey's competitive. You you already know that she can play. Um, I just see it in her, and I think the other people in the house recognize it. Winston, I think, can be a good player uh, on a competitive side. We know Angela can compete very well. Brett has an opportunity to compete very well, although I think Brett's going to be somebody who's probably going to mess this whole thing up, just have a bad feeling of it. And Tyler, uh, if he, it looks like he has somewhat in a way accepted this alliance. This is a really solid group that I think can do a lot of things. It's a good thing. It's a good thing to go up to the HOH on the first night and make an alliance. There are two things that I believe that you should do on the first night, or the first HOH. Number one, be the first in the room to congratulate and to offer some type of alliance. Go ahead and have something ready to go. Go ahead and have a nice offer for the HOH winner. You know, listen, you know, just like Winston did, he comes in and he doesn't wait for nominations. He doesn't wait for any – he gets in there, he starts talking. He says, you know, look, what do you think about working with so-and-so and and such-and-such and me? I think it's going to be a really good alliance. Tyler's very interested in this, Right? Tyler's very, very interested in this. I don't recall Winston at any point telling Tyler who he needs to nominate, what he needs to do. Just, hey, 
I think we could work, all work together. What do you think? I think that that is a solid way to do it. Now, you want to be the first in the HOH to offer an alliance. You want to be the last person in the HOH to hear what he's thinking, she's thinking. You want to know where they're going with things. And you want to know if your original deal of the alliance is going to stand. Will they tell you who they're nominating? Will they tell you what's going on? Always be the last person in the ear. Always be the first person in their ear. That's key with all HOHs, I think. And I think Winston did a really good job of that. And I think that that is a very solid alliance if it sticks. Um, and, you know, we see Tyler get wise to the Swaggy C crew coming in there and making moves to get him to nominate certain people. But I liked how Bailey talked to him and told him, you know, look, it's a tough decision. And it is. I can imagine that first HO, first-time HOH is very hard. I also think that it's one of the easiest in a lot of ways. Because no matter how you nominate, people pretty much get over it. Because you don't know each other that well. You can always use the excuse, look, man, I did, you know, I didn't know... I didn't know you that well now that I've gotten to know you. I'm sorry that I put you up. I should have never done that. You know, I hope we can move on from here. You can always repair that first HOH. And I think that that is key, and I also think that it's very key that he went the right direction. Now, I know that it's like, oh, how can you tell me that that's the best people to put up, Steve and Sam? The truth of the matter is, is that he has a great explanation for it. He doesn't get blood on his hands in the first day of HOH. You don't want to. Why would you want 90 days or whatever it is of blood on your hands of somebody that's mad at you and a lion against you? You don't want that. He did the right thing for Tyler. Tyler did the right thing. He proved that he could win an HOH, which makes him valuable. Do you think, really, that Tyler gets in an alliance as strong as he did if he doesn't win that first HOH? I don't think so. I really don't. The one thing that the first HOH gives you is the ability for people to approach you about alliances that are pretty solid. And you can accept them now. Take any alliance that's offered to you. You don't have to stick with it, but take it because it might save you next week. Tyler made the right moves in this game in the last in the first two uh, episodes that I think are going to help him out. He proved that he's not stupid to us. When people came to him talking and he knew right away something's not right about Swaggy C's crew coming to talk to me. Something's not right. These guys are working together and they're not bringing me in. They're just trying to give me some helpful quote-unquote advice about who should go home. Well, that tells me that they're working together. Nor did they approach him first. Another key that we were talking about just a few seconds ago, this is a group that came in after Winston came in, and and it wasn't like, Winston came in with eight people. He came in by himself. He offered it up to Tyler. That makes Tyler more comfortable. They're in a comfortable setting. There's not five faces looking at him. There's not people staring him down wondering what he's going to say. Winston offers it. They have a peaceful conversation. He leaves. Here comes, you know, eight other people up the stairs that want to talk about who he should nominate. And it's person after person after person after person coming in the door. That is a disaster. And that's exactly what it's going to end up being for Swaggy C. Although, I could see Swaggy C leading the side of the house because, like I said, he's, a very, he's got a very leader thing about him where he's going to lead a group of people, and we may see him versus 
another side of the house, his group versus another side of the house. If we get that, it's going to be amazing. I say it every year, we don't get it. But I, I could see where it's probably coming into play. Uh, you know, one thing I want to say, too, that is really annoying is I think that we need to demand. And I mean, look, I want to protest. I want to go to the highest mountain and yell. We need the nomination wheel back. This turnkey digital crap is awful. There's absolutely zero suspense. There's absolutely zero thought that anybody's sitting there stressing over what key they're going to pull. Bring the nomination wheel back. I'm going to make a move. If you guys will join me on Twitter, we're going to attack Big Brother and bring in the nomination wheel back. It is the center. It's the epitome. It's the... I don't even know what word you would think of. It's the cornerstone of Big Brother to have these people sitting around a large table pulling keys out, not knowing if it will be theirs, not knowing if it will be the next person's, not knowing anything. Will it be mine? Will it be so, in, you know, of course, somebody, you know, always when they pull it, they pass it to you, so yours has been pulled. So who will I pull next? Will it be somebody in my alliance? Will it be somebody I won't put up? What will it be? That nomination will is a huge part of Big Brother. And I think we should be allowed to sue CBS for removing it. That's how big of a mistake removing this nomination wheel has been for this show. It's absolutely a disaster to put a digital screen and have somebody turn a key and say, okay, these are two people I nominate. Well, that's not suspenseful. That's garbage. You're trying to sell me something that doesn't work. I need stress. I need people that are anguishing over whether or not they're going to, whose key they're going to pull out. Are they going to pull my key? You need that. Disaster. Garbage. They need to bring that nomination wheel back. Join with me, Twitter. We have to do it. We see uh, twi- uh, t- uh, Tyler. Twiler. Tyler nominates Sam and Steve. Like I said, best move. I don't think that hurts anybody's feelings. Um. But one thing that I saw that I loved, guys, and I haven't seen in a long time, and I love it, is Steve being nominated and Steve going into the diet room and saying, "I put me on the block. I'm going to work a deal. I'm going to find a way to get off of it. Oh, my God. My knees went weak. Oh, the tingle. Oh. Thank you, Steve. That is what we are all about. Give me somebody not afraid of the block. Give me somebody who's willing to work deals. Give me somebody who's who says balls out, man, or ovaries out, whichever gender you prefer. Balls out, ovaries out. I am going all the way. I guess they say another word for that, but I'm not going to repeat it because some people would be offensive. But, <laughs> but I love Steve saying I'm not afraid. Let's go on the block. Let's do this. Let's rock and roll. This is what it's about. I love it. God, let him survive. And let him work a deal and let him show people that he's got this. I don't think he will. <laughs> I don't have much hope because I think one of the problems that Steve has is his personality. And I think one of the things that Steve brings is creepiness with the eye stare. Everybody's not under investigation. He's getting, he's not very good at hiding his, like Derek was very good about it. Steve, not so good. Steve comes from an old-school mentality, and Steve wants to stare people down and listen to what they say, and I think he's going to be one of those people that's going to push way too hard for a deal this week. And all he has to do, all he has to do 
is be kind, be nice, let people get to know who he is, get let people to know about his family. I know he's told a lie about his occupation. That was brilliant on his part. Hope you know what you're talking about. If you're in sales, I hope you know what you're selling, Steve, because you need to talk about it and you need to make people feel comfortable with you. You need to let people know that you're available, like, hey, look, if I survive this, I'd really like to work with some people. Well, what do you think about working with me? I mean, would that be possible? We don't have to do something permanent. You know, we could just do a week at a time or two weeks at a time, keep each other safe. You go around and you just talk to eight people who are willing to talk to you, you get farther in this game than you think, Steve. But I love his fight. I love his, I'm going to talk my way off this block. That is exactly, you want to know what makes Dr. Will great? Dr. Will is great for a lot of reasons. One of the reasons that I find Dr. Will absolutely the most, I don't know, it's the greatest player that's ever played Big Brother. I know that makes some people cringe. Is his ability to say, I am not afraid of the block. I don't care. Put me up. I'll find my way off. Watch season two. He doesn't care. Watch season seven. He doesn't care. He will find a way to get himself off the block. He has no fear of it. You want to know what makes Dan and Will different? It's that. Dan was terrified of the block. Will invited you to put him up. It is rare, and I am in no way, shape, or form comparing those two, okay? Maybe maybe Steve will be like another Will. Who knows? But truth of the matter is, is that give me somebody not afraid of the block. And Steve's telling you right now, I ain't afraid of it. Let's go. It's go time. That's when the light comes on. That's when, it, that's when my... That's when my switch flips, and I love a player who does that. I would like to think that I would be that guy. I, let me talk my way off of it. Let me make a deal. Let me make people feel comfortable. Let me bring them into this warm embrace, make them feel nice and comfy, and let's strike some deals. I hope he does it. I don't think he's going to. The thing is is that with Sam falling apart, and she will inevitably fall apart, he could do himself favors by just being personable. Just Steve if you can feel the mental telepathic signals I am sending your brain, be cool. Be relaxed. Be cool, Steve. Be motorcycle riding, Steve. I'm Steve, and I'm your buddy. Would you like to make a deal? And let Sam absolutely wreck her game, because she will. But if Steve gets too pointed, if Steve gets too direct, if Steve gets too detective on that household, he will scare every one of those people into getting rid of him because they'll feel like he's dangerous. We are going to find out if Steve is somebody who can survive this game or if he's just not made for it. And will he be less made for it than Sam is? We may find out. And we certainly will come next Thursday. When you'll see me at 11 p.m. or hear me at 11 p.m. Eastern, got a I've got a face for blog talk, folks. I'm telling you. Now, before we close out, I want to talk to you guys about your current life and the situation that you're in. I want you to realize that I love you, and that the world is not a bad place. I guarantee you. There is a thing called the optimism gap. Please research it. Please look into it. And it is the thought that we remember things that are negative in our life 
and therefore form our views on the life around us. People have believed since the beginning of time that the world will end in their lifetime, and it hasn't. We're uh, in an age of believing that the world is in a bad place. And I'm not talking about politics. That's not what we do here. We don't talk about that. But I am telling you that there is something called the optimism gap, and it is used by news media sources, and I'm not talking about the media. I'm talking about your local news, that negative sells, and that our outlook on everything is negative because our survival has been based on remembering things that are negative to us. Okay? You remember the time you burned your hand on the stove when you were little, but you can't tell me the last time you had a great meal off that stove because you remember the negative. It is a survival instinct. It is in our DNA. It is genetic. We have a problem with that, and we always have, and we always will. I want you to remember in this life where we see celebrities killing themselves, and and I hope that none of you feel that way, and if you do, please get help. But we live in a world where things feel sometimes negative. Social media is that way. Whether you're on one side of the fence or the other, it doesn't matter. That's not what I'm here to do. Okay? There's eight years before that there was a group of people that felt like this was the end of the world, and now there's people on the other side now that (laughs) for the last two years have felt like it's the end of the world. I'm here to tell you that science mortality rate, everything that we have always battled. We are living in the greatest time of our lives right now, okay? And it doesn't feel that way, and I get that. That's the optimism gap, because we are trained to think the negative is the reality. And when we see something positive, we often take a negative approach because we are trained in our survival from the beginning of time, since we were running around with wolves and eating grass, That negative is something to remember to survive. The optimism gap is the idea that your local news feeds on negative information, right? Unfortunately, you know, we see these shootings, we see racial issues, we see a lot of things that are happening, and they are happening, and we have to make a stand on those things. But the reason that your local news does that is because they know that you have a natural desire to see negative things. You desire to see them. You want them. I'm here to tell you guys, first show of the season, and this won't happen again, that the world is the, where, the time of, 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 of our existence is as good as it's ever been. Research it. Look into it. The things that you're afraid of, look into them. Research them. Don't trust Facebook memes. Don't look at Facebook arguments and Twitter and all that other stuff. Research it. I'm not saying life is perfect. Don't get me wrong. It is not. But some of the things that have people depressed now, and I see it all over the social media uh, landscape because I'm on it quite a bit to prepare for this show. You guys, I'm telling you, you live in a great time. Listen, there were people when they got when they uh, got the uh, AIDS virus that didn't live very long. I mean, they would get it, they would get sick pneumonia or something, and they, these people, these poor people, would die. Look at Magic Johnson. Science has moved and advanced in such a way where this man is still alive and well. There are people. Uh, Evil Dick's taking this medications. He looks great. Look, we have advanced so much in our lifetime 
that things are good, guys. Things are positive. And I'm going to tell you that successful people, and I'm not one of them, okay, but successful people, the difference between people who are truly successful in life and happy and people that are truly not happy and not successful is the fact that this optimism gap that they live in, they believe the negative, and that is what they live by. People who are successful and have overcome things in life and are happy, truly happy, are people who have learned to turn that off and to see things for what they are in a positive way. Folks, I'm just telling you this, that this is how we are made. Please research for yourself. We live in a great time. We live in a great time of life. Do not take it for granted. Enjoy it. Love it. Fight for your causes. Fight for the things that you believe in and you feel passionate about. Please do. But also understand that your de- that some of you that feel this depression on the earth is just a genetic makeup that you have to find a way around. You're living in the greatest time of your life right now. Sometimes it doesn't feel that way, and we all deal with problems, and some of us are better off than others, and I get that. But you're living at the greatest opportunity time right now. Science, mortality rate, education, all these things, colleges, things that people are learning, science. We are sending spaceships into orbit that will carry people in a short couple of years as a vacation. You're living in a great time, guys, and I know that we haven't talked in a long time, but I can give you any advice as we go forward in this season, and maybe that will apply to this season, right? Let's try to look at it uh, positively. Right? We get on here and we talk about how negative this season is going to be. Oh, look at these. And I do it, too. I am guilty. Hand up right now in the Dead Lizard studio. Hand up. I am guilty. But we have to overcome that. We have to look at positive things. Don't let the optimism gap keep you in dark, depressive, cold nature. Break free. Think positive. See things better for what they are. See the world is in a better place. Fight for the world to get into a better place than it is now, but realize that it is in a great place, a great starting opportunity for you, especially if you're young. Guys, I love you. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening to the rants. Thank you for being a part of this. I'll see you on Twitter. We're going to keep talking. Don't forget to go to mortystv.com. You'll see a Big Brother after show forum over there. Please come in and talk. Um, I'm going to try to get in there as much as I can. I've got two kids, and it's kind of difficult, but I'll get in there as much as I can and talk with you. Always, always, always hit us on Twitter at BB After Show. Um, and send us messages, post whatever you want to do. You hate me, I want to hear about it. You love me, I want to hear about it, of course. If you love me, I really want to hear about it. Um, but, guys, it's going to be a really fun season, I think. I really do have a good feeling about this cast. Let's have fun. Let's enjoy Big Brother. I love you all. Have a great night, and I appreciate you. I will see you next Thursday at 11 p.m. Eastern. Have a great night, guys. Be safe and be good to each other. Flurries, you better grab a life vest. Did I lie? Yes! (laughs) Bye-bye. Pull the mask off. People aren't going to like what they see. It's going to look like flesh on the outside. You rip it open, and it's just circuitry and wires. 
If my plan works, think of this. I'm going to be off the block from a guy who put on a carrot suit, took an avocado bath, took a chum bath, and sat out of an HOH competition all to get me out. Hello? Will? Yeah? Hey, it's Boogie. Hey! Check this out. Unscrupulous and unexpected. It's time for another summer of Big Brother. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.